Good morning. This is 5 at 8. Today's Friday, August 25th, 2023, and here's Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman with today's top news. In this episode, we will talk about the U.S. Justice Department filing a lawsuit against SpaceX for alleged discrimination in hiring practices, the Solar Orbiter mission's discovery of jets of material releasing from the sun's outer atmosphere, the decline and potential turnaround of the London Metal Exchange's global warehouse network, the record-breaking global subsidies for fossil fuels estimated at $7 trillion in 2022, and the passing of John Warnock, co-founder of Adobe Systems, who played a crucial role in computer graphics and software development. Story number one. In a report from CNN International, the U.S. Justice Department has filed a lawsuit against SpaceX, accusing the company of discriminating against refugees in its hiring practices. The suit claims that SpaceX discouraged asylees and refugees from applying and refused to hire them based on their citizenship status, in violation of the Immigration and Nationality Act. The company allegedly falsely claimed that only green card holders and U.S. citizens could work for them due to federal export control laws. The lawsuit argues that regulations such as ITAR do not prevent SpaceX from hiring refugees who have permission to live and work in the U.S. The Justice Department's investigation found that recruiters at SpaceX actively discouraged asylees and refugees from seeking employment opportunities. The company has not yet responded to the lawsuit. Are we looking at a case of damned if you do, damned if you don't here, Linda? I mean, SpaceX is in a uniquely tricky position, right? They're bound by federal laws like ITAR, which restrict foreign nationals from accessing sensitive information related to their spacecraft, and yet they're being sued by the DOJ for allegedly discriminating against refugees and asylees in their hiring practices. It does seem like a complex issue, Mark. However, it's important to note that, as per the lawsuit, regulations like ITAR wouldn't prevent SpaceX from hiring refugees. Refugees have the permission to live and work in the U.S. indefinitely, and thus, they're actually on equal footing with U.S. citizens. Right, so, the issue here isn't the law per se, but its interpretation and application by SpaceX, right? I guess it's easy to fall into the trap of overcaution, especially when dealing with sensitive industries like spacecraft manufacturing. That's one way to look at it, Mark. But if the allegations are true, it goes beyond caution and into the realm of discrimination. The suit alleges that SpaceX didn't just fail to hire refugees, but actively discouraged them from applying. That's a serious violation of the Immigration and Nationality Act. Absolutely. No room for that kind of practice. But, uh, how do we balance this, you know? National security on one side. Ensuring that sensitive information doesn't fall into the wrong hands. And on the other side, equal employment opportunities, right? We can't just put a blanket ban on hiring refugees in industries like SpaceX's, can we? No, we can't, Mark. And the key here is balance. It's about creating a fair and equitable hiring process that respects the rights of all individuals, while also maintaining national security. It's not an easy task, but it's a crucial one. Companies need to work closely with legal experts to ensure they're in compliance with all laws and regulations, and they also need to foster a culture of inclusion and diversity. Makes sense, Linda. It's a tightrope walk, for sure. Speaking of balance, how do other countries deal with similar issues? Are there any global benchmarks we can learn from? That's an excellent question, Mark. Different countries have different laws and regulations. Some countries have strict laws that restrict employment based on citizenship status, 
while others have more liberal policies. It's important to study these international practices and regulations to identify best practices and potential pitfalls. But at the end of the day, the goal should be the same everywhere, equal opportunity, fair treatment, and respect for all workers, irrespective of their citizenship status. Story number two. According to CNN International, the Solar Orbiter mission, a joint venture between NASA and the European Space Agency, has discovered jets of material rapidly releasing from the sun's outer atmosphere. These jets, which last between 20 and 100 seconds each and move at high speeds, could be the source of the solar wind. The Solar Orbiter spacecraft, equipped with 10 instruments, captured images of the sun's south pole using its extreme ultraviolet imager. These images reveal faint jets of plasma, some of which are shaped like the letter Y. Understanding the nature of the solar wind is crucial for predicting and managing space weather, which can impact Earth's systems and create auroras. The discovery of these jets provides new insights into the solar wind's origin and behavior. Why, this is an absolute game-changer! The Solar Orbiter mission discovering these jets of plasma from the sun's outer atmosphere could very well be the missing link in understanding the source of the solar wind. It's like they've just stumbled upon the sun's exhaust pipe, spewing out these high-speed particles. It's fascinating to think that these jets, each lasting between 20 to 100 seconds, could be contributing to the stream of charged particles that constantly flow from the sun across our solar system. It's not a continuous flow as we've always assumed, but rather a sporadic, almost pulsating emission. Right, Linda. And it's these advancements in technology that have allowed us to uncover such phenomena. The Solar Orbiter, a joint mission between NASA and the European Space Agency, has been instrumental in providing us with an unprecedented look at the Sun, especially its poles. Understanding the Sun's poles is crucial because it gives us insight into the star's powerful magnetic field and how it affects Earth. The solar wind, which these jets likely contribute to, can interfere with our network systems such as GPS and telecommunications, so gaining this knowledge is key. No doubt, Linda. And let's not forget the Parker Solar Probe, that brave little spacecraft that's going to get closer to the sun than any of its predecessors. It's tracing the flow of energy heating and accelerating the sun's corona and solar wind. We're talking about a tag-team effort here, and the amount of data they're going to provide is going to be staggering. That's a great point, Mark. The collaboration between the Parker Solar Probe and the Solar Orbiter is going to give us a more comprehensive understanding of the Sun than we've ever had before. It's a testament to how far technology has come, and a hint at how much further it can take us in our quest to understand our place in the universe. Story number three. According to Reuters, the London Metal Exchange, LME, has witnessed a decline in its global warehouse network due to dwindling inventories over the past couple of years. The number of registered warehouse units has decreased, and smaller operators have withdrawn their LME services. However, there are signs that the stock cycle may be turning, as LME storage capacity grew slightly in Q2 2023. LME registered stocks of all metals have also increased, leading to a slimmed-down LME warehouse network. Some operators are expanding again, and new storage capacity has been listed in Malaysia and South Korean ports. The aluminium market is experiencing the fastest stock build, with Russian metal accounting for a significant portion of LME-registered aluminium. The increase in inventories is not favorable for metal bulls but is positive for LME warehouse operators. 
Can I just say how fascinating it was to see the metals market take such a hit, especially with the supply chain disruptions caused by COVID-19 and Russia's invasion of Ukraine? It was a tough time for LME warehousing with dwindling inventories and falling demand for storage space. It's a clear illustration of how interconnected our global markets are. The ripple effect from one major event can have a profound impact on various sectors. It's like a domino effect, with one piece falling and causing a chain reaction. And the effects were quite marked. I mean, the LME storage capacity shrank by almost a quarter in two years. But what's interesting is this cyclical nature of the market. Now we're seeing a rebound, with the LME storage capacity showing the first quarterly increase in two years. Yes, and that's probably due to the global metals demand stuttering back to life. But it's not all good news. Much of the aluminium being stored is Russian, which many Western users are avoiding due to the political situation. It's a delicate balance, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a bit of a double-edged sword. On one hand, you've got increased storage demand, which is great for warehouses. But on the other, the metal sitting in those warehouses is not necessarily desirable due to geopolitical factors. It's a... well, it's a conundrum, isn't it? It certainly is. And it's not just affecting the metals market. Similar patterns can be seen in other commodities markets around the world. The global ripple effect you mentioned earlier, Mark, is very apparent here. Right you are, Linda. And it goes to show that in our globalized world, no market operates in isolation. It's all interconnected. It's a lot like, well, it's like a giant jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? One piece moves, and the whole picture can change. That's a great analogy, Mark. It really encapsulates the complexity and interconnectedness of global commodities markets. And it reminds us of the importance of keeping a close eye on global events, as they can have far-reaching implications on various industries including warehousing and logistics. Story number four. Global subsidies for fossil fuels have reached a record $7 trillion in 2022, as reported by Reuters, according to estimates from the International Monetary Fund, IMF. The costs have risen by $2 trillion over the past two years due to post-pandemic consumption growth and increased energy costs resulting from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. These subsidies equivalent to 7.1% of global GDP, are straining budgets, contributing to pollution, and exacerbating global warming. The IMF warns that implicit subsidies, which account for the majority of costs and include the damage from air pollution and global warming, are likely to continue rising. The explicit subsidy costs, direct payments made by governments to keep electricity or pump prices artificially low, have more than doubled since 2020 to $1.3 trillion. However, the IMF suggests that these costs may decrease as energy prices ease, providing an ideal opportunity to scrap subsidies and lock in pricing of carbon and local air pollution emissions. Furthermore, the IMF highlights that implicit subsidy costs are a major concern and are projected to rise as the impacts of a warming planet become more widespread. Last year, consumers did not pay for over $5 trillion of environmental costs. The IMF estimates that eliminating both explicit and implicit fossil fuel subsidies could prevent 1.6 million premature deaths annually, generate $4.4 trillion in government revenues, and help achieve global warming targets. Did you see this, Linda? Global subsidies for fossil fuels hitting a record $7 trillion this year. That's a whopping 7.1% of global GDP. It's even more than what governments globally spend on education. Just think about it. 
It's quite a staggering figure. Governments world over are spending more on fossil fuel subsidies than on critical sectors like education. This not only strains the budgets, but also contributes to pollution and global warming. Right. And the IMF report also mentions something about explicit and implicit subsidies. Can you help me understand what these terms actually mean? Of course, Mark. Explicit subsidies are what governments pay directly to keep prices of things like electricity and fuel artificially low. As for implicit subsidies, they refer to the cost of damage from air pollution and global warming. So they're the environmental costs that consumers don't pay for directly. I see. So it's not just about the money governments are directly pumping into the system, but also the hidden costs we're all paying in terms of environmental damage. But the report also suggests that scrapping these subsidies could prevent 1.6 million premature deaths annually and raise government revenues by $4.4 trillion. That sounds huge, doesn't it? The potential benefits of eliminating these subsidies are enormous, both in terms of public health and government revenues. Furthermore, it could also put emissions on track towards reaching global warming targets. But aren't wealthier nations less pressured to cut subsidy costs, considering they have higher energy consumption? That's true, Mark. Wealthier nations are indeed less financially pressured to cut subsidies. But it's important to note that the environmental costs of these subsidies are shared by everyone, not just the countries providing the subsidies. And as we know, environmental damage like global warming doesn't respect national borders. That's a sobering thought, Linda. It seems like there's a lot riding on how we handle these subsidies. From the looks of it, there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. It's a complex issue that requires careful consideration of both the short-term and long-term impacts on economies, environments, and public health. The decisions we make today will certainly have far-reaching consequences for the future. Story number five. John Warnock, co-founder of Adobe Systems, has passed away at the age of 82, as reported by the New York Times. Warnock played a crucial role in the development of computer graphics and software, including the creation of the widely used PDF format. He also pioneered protocols that enabled accurate printing from desktop computers. Warnock's innovations helped establish Adobe as a dominant player in the software industry, with programs like InDesign, Photoshop, and Illustrator becoming industry standards. His work revolutionized the personal computing experience, transforming it into a visually rich and engaging aesthetic experience. Do you ever think about how much Adobe Systems has shaped our way of life, Linda? I mean, we're talking about the company that brought us PDFs and made desktop printing a breeze. That's mind-blowing stuff. The innovations by Dr. John Warnock and his team have indeed revolutionized how we share and consume information. Just think about how many times a day we open a PDF document, whether it's for work or personal use. It's become second nature to us, almost something we take for granted. Yeah, and I was reading about how the PDF wasn't immediately successful. Yet, Dr. Warnock persisted, believing that it could transform the way businesses operate, and boy was he right. That's true, Mark. His vision was very forward-thinking. He envisaged a world where documents could be shared across different systems, maintaining their original formatting. This paperless office concept may seem commonplace now, but back then it was revolutionary. Right, Linda. You've got to admire that kind of persistence and long-term thinking. But it's not just about the technology, right? I mean, Adobe also had a reputation for being a great place to work. Definitely, Mark. Dr. Warnock and his co-founder, Chuck Geschke, created a company culture that was competitive, yet inclusive and employee-friendly. Their leadership style was unique, 
especially compared to other tech giants. So, Linda, in your opinion, what does Dr. Warnock's legacy teach us about innovation and running a successful tech company? Well, Mark, I think it teaches us several things. First, it underscores the importance of persistence and visionary thinking, even in the face of initial setbacks. It also tells us that running a successful company isn't just about creating innovative products, but also about cultivating a positive work environment. And finally, it reminds us of the profound impact that technological innovation can have on our everyday lives and business operations. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.